stopped, get him stopped. God and Moses both in a sidecar could not drive a sprint car with a thousand horsepower. I swear to God, he's done a double somersault backwards. My car will go past wide open. Uh, my 50,000 came in a Twinkie box. You know, I get my jollies off over looking at a nice car wash. You know, he's going to crash your shit, but he's still, he's still got great stories. Oh, they disappeared. Oh, I'm leading. <laughs> I'm leading. <laughs> you plated your old ball sack and you just freaking let it eat. It's all goddamn assholes and elbows. And if you ain't right, They'll send your ass to the rear. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Open Red, the official podcast of the world of outlaws, NOS, energy drinks, sprint cars. My name is Rob Blount from Dirt Vision, and alongside of me, as always, the PR god of the world of outlaws, Mr. Nick Graziano. I am Nick Graziano. I am back in the studio this time. You are back. Hello. You, you've made it back from gray, dreary, upstate New York. Yes. Otherwise I, known as your home. I, I, yeah. <laughs> Explains a lot about me, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> How was Super Dirt Week? Was it a super time? It was a uh, a super long week. I believe it. It, it was a, a grind of a week. It was. It's a cool event. Uh, definitely something that any dirt fan should check out when they get the chance. Especially next year, it's gonna be the fiftieth anniversary. Yeah, it's cool. Um, but yeah, it's the the term uh, Super Dirt Week hangover is not a lie. On Monday, I was out. Like <laughs> I laid on the couch. I tried to read a book, and every time I looked at the words, I just I was out. I zonked out. I couldn't. I was like, nope, this isn't happening today. It's just, I just got to take a day and do nothing. You know who did have a super week last week was our last guest, uh, Matt Williams. Oh my God, what a week! Went out and won Tuesday's Super Dirt Car Series race at Brewerton Speedway. Won the 358 modified race at Weedsport. 358 modified race at Brewerton on Thursday. Then goes and wins and defends his title from 2019 in the Billy Whitaker Cars and Trucks 200 on Sunday at Oswego. What a week! Just goes to that. Right there tells me that when the World of Outlaws Sprint Cars race next week, our winner is going to be a shark racing team because it happens all the our, time. It happens all the time. And our guest this week just happens to be the engine builder for shark racing. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's got to happen. It's, it's, it's at this point, I'm going to have to put together a stat sheet of how many times someone's won after they've been on the show because I'm pretty sure it's got to be at least 70%. I feel like I was going to say it's been at least twice. I think it's actually. Been, I think it's actually been more than that. Honestly, <laughs> I, I would love to to see the stat sheet on it. I just know maybe it's just recency bias, but I feel like it hasn't happened that often. But it happened last week. Hasn't and recently. I'm but aside from Williamson, maybe not too recently. But yes, <laughs> he's re, he's started the cycle again. Uh, I I was pumped about it. Like we said, sprint car fans, this guy is a guy to watch, and he certainly proved us right last week, just trying to win everything and succeeding uh, pretty much in that. Uh, if you didn't listen to last week's episode, we had uh, Super Dirt Car Series Big Block Modified Driver Matt Williamson on the show, uh, former past champion of, of that series and, and now a two-time winner of uh, the Super Dirt Week 200 at Oswego Speedway. And uh, the reason why we had him on is because he's been dabbling in sprint cars lately. And we thought, wow, this would be a pretty cool crossover guest. Uh, and we happen to say, it, you may want to tune in. This this would be a guy to watch. And he, he was the guy to watch. He was the guy to watch. And he won some of those races in just thrilling fashion. Uh, I think it was was it Thursday at Brewerton was the, like the the pass with two laps to go. I think yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Uh, Larry White was leading 
dominating the whole thing, got into the wall, wrecked. So it was, I believe, uh, Ronnie Davis was leading and Matt yes. was second. And on a late restart, Matt just uh, planned it perfectly. It snuck his nose underneath Ronnie. I think it was in one and two to make him think he was going low. So next turn, Ronnie went low. So Matt mm-hmm. went high, got the run on him, and just rocketed around him on the outside. A little contact down this front stretch, but then just went on to the win. But the night before that, oh my God. God, was that a race? Oh, the like weed the sport race? Weed sport race. Yeah. What a definition of a race. Yeah. The top three for 75 laps were just going at it the whole time. Just back and forth. There was picking a lot of line, lead changes in that race. Changing, lead change, lead change. I think Matt Williamson made it three wide in the middle for the league twice. Yes. That was that was something. I, I'm like, you know what? I... I, I even though I grew up there, I was never a huge, like, big modified fan. I think I've been converted to a fan now. Yeah, I will go on record saying I do not enjoy that style of racing. Um, so I kind of – dread's not the right word, but I don't necessarily look forward to that week. But there was some good racing Oh, my last God, week. yeah. That the, was... the Super Derek Car Series race at Brewerton on Tuesday was fantastic. The 358s were great all week long. I mean, I, I, I know that – the the headlining track all week was Oswego, but I am convinced that if you want a good race with any car, just go to Brewerton. Yep, Brewerton I is just awesome. Agree. Yes, awesome track. Um, but yeah, congratulations to our 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 last guest, Matt Williamson, and going out and having himself a phenomenal week. And uh, as we said, now our our next guest is the engine builder for Shark Racing, uh, Michael Newman. So yeah, he's got cool. a pretty cool story. Uh, he's kind of one of those guys that was thrown to the fire uh, yeah. in a sense. Is like, hey, you're going to build a fortune engine now. What? <laughs> yeah, and it's it's proving to be successful. So Yeah, I, I think he's got a pretty solid record so far. Yeah, I mean, uh, listen, we all know that Shark Racing didn't have the year that they were expected and expecting to have. Yeah. Um, but if you look back just a few years ago as to where that team was, they've still, it's still a great year and uh he is obviously a major part of that because he is supplying their power and they certainly have a lot of it yeah and they're starting to pick it back up again you're st- they're starting to look like the shark racing team we thought they were going to be yes so i think they'll be at the ground running again when we get to 2022 and a large part of that will be michael newman's engines so let's sure. get right into it and uh hear from michael newman the engine builder for shark racing <laughs> And on today's episode, very excited to have uh, Michael Newman. Uh, he, you might recognize the name uh, the Newman's Engines from uh, the Shark Racing Crew. Obviously, he builds the engines for Logan Schuhart and Jacob Allen. Uh, Michael, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, sure thing. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, so uh, I know I talked to you a little bit earlier in the year for another story we did, and it was a pretty cool story you told me about how you got into engine building and how you even got into becoming a sprint car engine builder. So um, I guess kind of, if you don't mind, kind of starting from the beginning again, where your love for engine building came from and how that kind of developed into sprint car engine building. Yeah, yeah, sure. So I'll go back a little bit, actually, before I was around, but (laughs) my dad, my dad actually worked for Bobby, uh, on his sprint car back in the early seventies. So, um, you know, he, he was already involved in that. And prior to that, my dad, he raced go-karts. So we've always been around racing, uh, you know what I mean? As I grew up. Um, so anyways, my dad, <clears throat> he ended up marrying, uh, one of Bob's sister-in-laws. So that's how we're all family. 
so I've been around, you know, Bob and, and the, and the race car team since I've been a little kid. And, uh, like kind of, I was telling you, uh, previously, like that was my, my favorite thing was in the summertime when they were racing around here, my dad would take me out to the shop on a Saturday and I'd spend, you know, a good part of Saturday afternoon out at, out at Bob's shop. And, uh, to me, there was nothing better than when I was out there, he fired the race car up, you know, I thought that was the neatest thing ever in the world. So, uh, uh, you know, I always, I always liked that part of it. And I remember being probably about nine or 10 years old. He let me put oil in the, in the, in the engine. And I thought that I, I couldn't believe it. That was the neatest thing I've ever done at that point, you know? <laughs> so, uh, so it kind of progressed from there. I was always, you know, fascinated by, by engines and, and sprint cars and, uh, you know, any kind of racing like that. So, um, unfortunately I never really got to help Bob too much. I was probably 16, 17 when he quit racing. Uh, and at that time I got into building street rods, uh, me and my dad. So, uh, I, that was my first car it was a 48 Chevy truck. And, um, I, uh, I drove it for a little bit and I thought, you know, I, I want to try to build an engine that sounds like a sprint car. Like I just, you know, I thought it'd be pretty cool to have something like that. So, uh, 17 years old, I bought a bunch of books and kind of read how to do it and what to do. And, uh, you know, I built my first engine and, uh, surprisingly didn't blow up or anything like that. It, I drove it a good bit. And, um, so it just kind of progressed from there. Um, after I, I did that, I had some of my buddies want me to build them an engine for their street rods. And, um, it just kind of progressed, uh, until Jacob, um, started running 358s back here in Pennsylvania. That was really the first time I built a, uh, a sprint car engine. So that, that's kind of how all that happened. Very cool. And, and like you said, it's, it's something you don't see a lot of people doing anymore is uh, going out and getting books and reading yeah. books on how yeah. to do something. Well, you but, know, yeah. uh, that was probably, let me see, that would have been uh, 95, 96. So that, that was all you had. You didn't have the <laughs> yeah. internet yet. You didn't have that. You had to actually sit down and read. <laughs> that's super awesome so how much yeah um i guess how did that end up progressing into what it, or that's not even the right way to pose the question but how much more is the workload now that they're on on tour both of them versus when you first started building engines for them when jacob got into racing it, well yeah so kind of like when jake when jacob was here i mean at, at the time logan was already running 358s and and we had don ott was doing our engines for us and uh you know i just kind of had approached bob and said hey let me you know i want to try it and he said yeah you know we'll, we'll try and, and you know because it was as it is today you know he still tries to save money where possible so if we could do something ourselves you know it would say it would save some money so you know went from that and then um when uh when they went on the outlaws you know they had basically each had one engine and they had a spare short block sitting back here and, you know, that's kind of why, if you ever noticed when they first started, if they weren't running in top five, eight places, they'd have to pull in. And it was just to save the engine because they only had one each. So, you know, Don, when they would come back home, Don would, would rebuild the engines for him, you know, that week. And, I mean, he did an unbelievable job for us. And, you know, we definitely couldn't have done it without him. Uh, but, you know, as it progressed and we, we needed more engines, you know, Bob, he realized that financially, you know, we couldn't have Don do all the work because 
you know, it just, just wasn't going to work out. So that's how he kind of approached me about doing it. Uh, you know, I kind of always hint it to him, like, you know, I'd, I'd really like to try to, you know, do this deal. And, uh, the, the day they decided to run the outlaws full time, the following season, he's like, well, you know, he goes, here you go. You get to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, yeah, it's, it's progressed from having a couple engines to, you know, basically both guys have, you know, when they're all together, they each have probably eight, eight, nine engines. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's a huge difference between when we started and, and where we're at now. So it's, it's a lot more work. No, obviously what you're doing before and then the four tens all kind of based off the Chevy small block, but how big of a difference was it building that four ten compared to anything else you've done before? Oh, I always hear they're like was, a different beast. Oh yeah, for sure. Well, I, I'll never forget the first four ten that I, I rebuilt, uh, was when we were still running around home here, it was an engine we had borrowed and it blew up. So we had to fix it for the guy that owned it. So I, I rebuilt this thing. I don't know anything about <laughs> the injections. You know, I, I just put it right back together. We fired up and it's, I mean, it's running like crap and, and I'm like shaking my head. Like, I, I don't even know what's what to start to look at. And Bob's like, uh, well, where's the barrel valve set? And if, if you know anything about it, the barrel valve is basically what is the fuel injection determines if it's rich or lean. But anyways, he says, what's the barrel valve set at? And I, I, I'll never forget. I'm like, well, what's a barrel valve? I, I didn't even know what it was. And he's like, well, you know, he's showing me. I'm like, I don't know. I said, I just put it back together. Well, anyways, it was all screwed up and you know, we, we got it fixed, but, uh, yeah, I mean to build a 410. And if you ask any of these, these, uh, companies that, that make parts for 410s, they'll tell you by far they're the, the hardest engine on parts, keeping them together. I mean, you hate to say it, but they are time bombs waiting to go off. And, and you're as an engine builder, you're just trying to keep that from happening. To be honest with you. I mean, you try to stay ahead of the game with, uh, you know, keeping them, keeping them together. Well, with four races left in this season, I can't say I recall too many times where, uh, Logan or Jacob have lost the motor this year. So how much pride do you take in that, knowing that over the course of, I guess, what ended up being, what, like an 85-race season this year, uh, you've had less than a handful of engine failures, of your, of your, uh, your engines have had a failure. Yeah. Well, honestly, the, now this year was probably our worst year for that. And, and a lot of that is to do with the problem of getting parts. Uh, so we've had to run things a little bit longer than we'd like and, and then, it's bit us a couple times, but, uh, previously the last two seasons, we went two entire seasons with two teams and didn't lose one engine. And that was when we were able to, you know, really stay on top of everything. So, yeah, I mean, there is a lot of pride that goes into that. I mean, you know, my hard work shows by, you know, winning races and, and not having problems for sure. So, so this year we probably, we had a little bit more than normal and, uh, you know, it drives me nuts because uh, really an excuse for it. But you know, things happen, and and like I said, it's it's to, uh, to do a lot with uh, with the parts shortage right now. I think it's a really cool analogy you use. That how they're kind of like always a, a ticking time bomb in a sense. So what what is it about the nature of a fortune that makes them that way? And then what is it that you do to try and keep it from going off all year long? Yeah. Well, the the 
the biggest things are RPMs. Uh, everybody is turning them more and more. I mean, I know when we first kind of started doing this, uh, you know, you turn them 8,200 or something. That was pretty normal. Now guys are qualifying at 88 to 9,000 RPM. So it doesn't sound like a big difference, huh. but as, as you get up over 8,000 RPMs, it gets to be a lot harder on, on mm-hmm. parts. Um, and, and the other biggest thing is the compression that, that these engines run. I mean, it's, you know, you're, you're talking anywhere 16, 17 to one compression. And that's, I mean, that's very hard on, on the bottom end. So, you know, that, that's the two biggest things that I feel is, you know, that, that really is on the edge. I'm going to have to ask you to explain what compression means for those that don't know. And for those that don't know, I mean myself. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So basically it's like an air compressor. That's, I mean, it, 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 you're taking a, a large volume of air and fuel and you compress it into a small, a smaller volume. And then the, the spark plug fires it. And you know, that, that's what gives you your power. Uh, but, uh, the more compression you can make, the, usually the more horsepower you're going to make. So there's a fine line of where it's too much. Uh, you know, it, it, so when it gets to be too much, then you're, you're, you gotta deal with detonation and, and you cause yourself a lot more problems. So pretty much everybody's deal right now is, is a 16, 16 and a half compression. So how but do your you... normal, your normal street car is probably 10, 10 to one. Oh, wow. So you know, it's a huge difference. So how do you measure that and dial that in? Um, well, it's basically set by your, your piston design and your, your, uh, combustion chamber and your cylinder head. Yeah. You take those two things and you, you calculate what, you know, where you want it. Now, do you have your own piston designs or do you go off uh, factory ones or, or is everything kind of custom to how you like it and the uh, way you yeah, want to build it? Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Everything's pretty custom. I mean, there's yeah. not a, sh- there's not a shelf piston, meaning you can't just order yeah. what you need. Um, I was, I was very fortunate. And, um, when we started doing this, uh, so my shop, I'm like a quarter mile from Charlie Garrett and, uh, if you know who Charlie Garrett is, oh, yeah. he's, he's the go-to guy. I mean, he's the best of the best as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but, um, when we started doing our own engines, you know, he, he actually had called the piston company that he was dealing with and said, Hey, you know, it's okay if these guys order my piston design. In other words, most of the stuff is, you know, you, like you couldn't call and order my piston. Like they, they're protective of all that kind of stuff. And, you know, it was incredible that he offered that to us, you know, to us, it saved us tons of of learning and, and back and forth with these piston companies, you know, he just said, Hey, use this. I know it works. You know, here you go. So, uh, you know, I, I, we can't thank him enough for, for the stuff that he did too, to help us get going. Like, I know you, you, we mentioned before how, uh, there are certain, like, especially for like the California races that you guys did something different with the engine specifically for California, I guess, without giving away too much, uh, what, <laughs> what is it that you, you change for something like that? Obviously it, it proved pretty successful. Obviously Logan was really strong yeah, out there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so when we went to California the first, how many years we were horrible out there. I mean, we, we just really couldn't get out of our own way. So, uh, me and Bob kind of sat down and said, Hey, let's, let's design a, an engine specific for California where we need to, you know, deal with these rough, wet tracks, uh, 
you know, that we don't typically see. So, you know, we just changed like our cylinder head, uh, deal and, and camshaft and a couple little things like that. And, um, I mean, it's definitely made a huge improvement. Uh, I mean, as we have dialed those engines in, I mean, this year was the best that both of those kids looked out there. Mm-hmm, so yeah. it's, you know, it is, it does make a difference. It can, it can be a little bit of a detriment, um, because you're changing engines and you're, you got to make sure you know what gear they need, you know, where other guys run the same engine. It doesn't matter where they're at. So, you know, it's, a, it's a little bit of a thing, a learning curve with that, but I think at the end of the day, you can, you can build engines to help you at certain places. So what was more meaningful for you? The first win for shark racing with one of your engines or going out West to the West coast and getting a win with this new, uh, design that you came up with specifically for there. Uh, I would say the first, the first win, Logan's first win was the first time he won was with my engine. So that, that was pretty awesome. I mean, I'll never, you know, never forget that to say you've won a world of outlaws races Mm -hmm. is pretty cool. No matter if you're a driver or crew or, you know, an engine builder. Uh, but no, it, it, I like, you know, like you're, you bring up it. It's neat to see too, when you kind of design something and it, and it pays off. How often are they, um, bringing engines back maybe to get refreshed or reworked, or maybe you have new ideas that you want to try with. Obviously we have this off weekend, uh, right rebuild now. Wise, um, like, like a rebuild, typical rebuild on the engines, about 15 races. Mm. Um, now some of the ones we, have a little bit lower compression engines or something um they can go a few more races but uh the 12 to 15 range is pretty typical so how does that work with the guys out on the road so far away from home for so long like obviously right now i'm sure they're probably at home because we've run pennsylvania the last two weeks we've got a week off but when you're in the heart of the season and oh we've hit that 15 race mark are they just putting another engine in and leaving that one to the side until they're able to get home or is someone driving it home? I'm sure the shipping costs would be astronomical. So I feel like that's probably not really an option. Um, well, be, believe it or not, like I can ship an engine from Pennsylvania, California for like $300. Oh, wow. It's really, oh, wow. it's not that bad. Um, but we've kind of got it to where when they leave, because typically they're here and then they head out, out West, you know? So, we have it figured out where when they leave, they have what engines they need and, and they'll be finally get back home. Uh, but there was an issue. Like we had some issues after Knoxville this year where, uh, actually Bob was out there he drove a couple engines back and then I had some ready to go and he drove back out to, I think South Dakota with them. So we have, we have some guys that'll run engines around if, if we need to, but, uh, you know, that we try to keep it. If they need something, it's like, we'll take some to Eldora or something close, you know, I mean, we try not to get too far uh, away, but, but yeah, I mean, if it's an emergency, we can, we can definitely get stuff, you know, out to wherever it's not too bad. What would you say the hardest part is about being an engine builder for a two car world of outlaws team? Um, well, definitely the, the workload <laughs> is a lot <laughs> to keep, to keep, you know, 16, 16, 18 engines going at, because no matter what, you're always going to have some in here getting worked on. Um, and then as much as you try, you do have some problems now and then that, that you have to fix right away. Like it, it's, as soon as they come home here on the East coast, I got engines sitting everywhere because they're like, well, this one might need 
set of valve springs or, you know what I mean? It's just like, it's, uh, it's off the wall when they get home. So it definitely gets you backed up a little bit as far as your, your work goes. But, uh, I would say not, not necessarily the world of outlaws, but building engines in general, uh, no matter what the driver's perfect, the car's perfect and the engine never runs. That's, <laughs> that's just the way it is. But then they'll go out the next night and win, so then I guess it's fixed. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> it's always the engine. Of course. Now, and I think you mentioned before, uh, you don't just build engines for them. You've got some other customers out in Pennsylvania area that you do some things. Maybe Australia, too, I think it was? Yeah, yeah. I'm actually shipping two engines down to Australia here probably next week. Wow. Um, but, yeah, I have, I have a, a good bit of local guys. I have a team out in Wisconsin that I do. Uh, uh, there's a team up in New York that I do some stuff for. Um, I, I don't get too, too, you know, too many jobs because I mean, at the end of the day, I'm the only one doing assembly work. So, you know, I, you can only do so much at a time and I don't, I don't want to get over my head where, you know, I can't give somebody what I feel is the best that I can do. So, you know, I, I'm really kind of picky on what, what I try to take on at this point. How has your customer base grown since the shark racing team started winning races and, and you became basically a, a proven commodity? Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy because, uh, like after, when they have a good run, I'll get all kind of text messages on Facebook. Uh, how much is an engine and this and that? <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, well, you know, unfortunately I'm not taking any new customers on right now, but it is kind of funny when they have a good night, I, I definitely get, uh, a lot more interest in, in what I'm doing. Who do you have uh, racing with your engines down in Australia? Um, so there's a team. Um, I don't. I mean, they seem pretty decent. I, I've I've spoke to the owner like once or twice, and uh, but uh, the guy's name is Cody Moroski or something. He runs for it's SRV Trucking is the guy okay. that owns it. Is um, but uh, they they seem like they're a pretty decent team. I mean they they have a lot of good finishes. Cool. And uh, yeah, he was one of them that he just sent me a message on Messenger one day, and he's like, "Hey, I want a new engine," and I'm like, "Who the heck's this guy?" You know. And uh, <laughs> I know I know a couple people in Australia, and I, I was like, "Is this guy legit?" And they're like, "Oh yeah, you know he has this you know top notch team." And I'm like, "Okay, so uh, you know we did a little back and forth and." He's like, hey, I'm sending you money. I want a new engine. I'm like, oh, okay. We'll we'll get her taken care of. So, now cool. Maybe we can all we can all watch it on uh, when yeah, Australia right? starts broadcasting a yeah, dirt vision yeah. again. Yeah, he's. Uh, I mean, he's already been. It seems like him and um, uh, that Lachlan McHugh are, are probably like the two top guys down there right now. The way it, the way it sounds. That'd be fun to watch. I, 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 yeah. Kind of going back real quick to what you mentioned. Um, you talked about all this workload and everything you're doing and. You're really the only one doing all of this. Is that by design by your own, or is it just hard to find people that can do work like this? Um, honestly, I probably would not trust anybody. <laughs> if there's an issue, you know, I, I want to be the one to know what I did and why it happened. Um, it's it's tough to it's tough to trust somebody else to do what I do. Um, now, I have some guys that come in and help me once in a while, but they've actually worked at other engine shops, and so I know they know what they're doing. Um, now, I do have another guy that helps me. He does a lot of the teardown work and, and clean up stuff. But, uh, but yeah, as far as assembly work, I do 99% of it. 
I can definitely understand that. Just wanting to just, I believe, I gotta believe it's a little nerve wracking every time you see your engine going out there and just knowing everything, every little thing on there is what you did, oh, what you touched. So you yeah. know, if something went wrong, you know where it might have been. Right. Yeah. It's nothing like thinking in your head that crankshaft's been around at 9,000 RPM. <laughs> yeah. Think everything's tight. <laughs> Well, y'all don't want to take up uh, too much more of your time. Really appreciate it. Uh, thank you for uh, giving us some insight on uh, engine building. Yeah, sure. No, I, I appreciate you having me on, and uh, we'll uh, see how the rest of the season goes. Definitely. Good luck for sure. Appreciate okay. it. Okay. All right. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Big thank you to Michael Newman for joining us uh, today. Um, we wanted to get a crew member on the show in some capacity this week and not that he wasn't our our first choice but we had a couple of people that we thought were going to be lined up and they all fell through for various reasons and just like last minute we're like hey michael would you come mind joining would you mind coming on the show and he's like absolutely when we're like uh tomorrow morning yeah like eight hours from now yeah sure no problem so massive thank you uh to michael for joining us uh with like literally no notice and just being fantastic it's so funny to me because he considers himself to not be a good speaker uh i remember once he probably said the same thing to you when you did that story with him but i remember once uh ross and i went there to his shop to do some sort of video piece for drydeen and he's like i don't even know like I don't know why you guys are even here. Like, I am a terrible speaker. You're not, this is not going to be any good. And it was great. And just like this one. He's a great storyteller. It was yeah. really cool to hear uh, just how he got into it and everything he does. And, you know, I'd like to think every time one of his engines win, there's somebody out there just going, Newman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet you the rest of the field is. <laughs> no, it's, it's, uh, it's cool because there, there are other names out there that you know of that are like, the considered the top guys of sprint car engine building and then there's michael doing his doing his own thing for the shark racing team and as he said a few other customers just doing his own thing out of central pa and going out there putting putting engines in cars to go out and win yeah i think like you said uh shipping some of those engines out to australia to some of those guys that are pretty good he's start to win it out there he might want to uh consider some expansion because there's yeah. a lot of phone calls a lot of uh Might messages need to be hiring some people <laughs> yeah. otherwise he's not gonna be sleeping yeah. ever again <laughs> but um yeah big thank you to michael for joining us today um that was a lot of fun it's always fun to have uh a nice guest presented by manscaped uh to come on the show um we're just about believe it or not nick we're just about like almost in the holiday season yeah, we're so close to Halloween already. Yeah. That's right around the corner. Then before you know it, Thanksgiving is going to be here. And you know what comes right after Thanksgiving is Black Friday, which means massive holiday shopping. I I don't know about you, but I would just like avoid going to the mall, avoid going to Target or Walmart on Black Friday because that sounds miserable. I, I, I would just Black Friday once and I'll never do it again. Yeah, I've done it two or three times 
when I was like a teenager and it seemed fun at the time. And now I'm like, nope, I'm good. Uh, I would avoid that if I were you. And I would just go to manscaped.com and use the promo code OPENRED20 and get yourself 20% off plus free shipping of your order of the Performance Package 4.0 that just happens to include the brand new Lumber 4.0. Yeah, exactly. Like when I went uh, Black Friday shopping, it was to get a necklace from my girlfriend at the time, um, which we broke up like whatever, a year later. So don't even waste your time going out and buying something <laughs> for that person. You're just going to break up anyway. Get some Manscaped for yourself. <laughs> I'm not bitter about it. Don't no, worry. Definitely I'm fine. Not. If it makes you feel any better, I had a, a very s- similar situation happen. I went to the to the mall to the mall on Black Friday and, and tried to get her a pair of earrings. Actually, I got her three different pairs. And she's like, this one I don't like. Uh, this one I have. This one's okay. I guess I'll keep this one. I'm like, I tried so hard. I was up at <laughs> five in the morning. And if you knew me back then, I hardly ever knew what five in the morning looked like. Yeah, I still really exactly. don't. Yep. Um, so I would just avoid doing all of that and just treat yourself. Yeah, treat, treat yourself. Treat yourself. Yeah. Treat yourself. Go to open re- or manscaped.com. Use the promo code OPENRED20. 20% off your order plus free shipping. Performance package 4.0. Comes with the lawnmower 4.0. Um, which is their newest top of the line lawnmower product to make sure that you are looking good, feeling good, as hygienic as you can be. Uh, there's a reason they are the leaders in men's below the waist grooming. So I would go and do that. Plus, it comes, you know, what comes with the holidays too is travel. Because yeah. you're going to be going to see your family members. It's a nice travel bag. Very nice travel bag. So I would. Make sure you do the whole performance package 4.0. Go to manscaped.com. Use the promo code OPENRED20. 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com using the promo code OPENRED20. Now we can take a look back at last week's racing at the Port Port Royal Speedway. I can't believe it, but we are back under 100 points, Nick. That was not something I expected to see from Port Royal. No. Uh, That is the gap now. It is 92 points with five races to go from Brad Sweet to David Gravel. Reason being, Friday night's 25 lapper, the 49 car finished 14th, while the two finished in 6th. Saturday night, the 49 car finished 12th, while the two car finished in 2nd. In Saturday's 30 lapper. Five races left, 92 points. One of two things is going to happen. He's either going to get there and make a show of it as we get to Charlotte in five races. Well, technically four races time. Or Brad's going to go and rebound and do Brad's sweet things at Lakeside and Oklahoma and Devil's Bowl. And we're going to just be saying what could have been at Williams Grove. Yeah, I feel like we keep we, we keep having we keep going back and forth with it. It's like, oh, it looks like he's going to run away with it. Oh, maybe he's not going to run away with it. Like we said, it's like that girl just keeps teasing you. You know, sometimes it shows, seems like she's showing interest. Sometimes she seems like she did not. Like, well, what is it? Is this going to work out or not? Like, come on. Like, give us give us a little more solid answer here. I feel like what this points battle is going to be. Are we going to have a points battle or are we not going to have a points battle? Yeah. I, like I said to you right before we hit record, there was an episode of How I Met Your Mother about leaving someone on the hook. It's like, you know... Now's not the right time, but maybe in the future might be the right time. And that's what this feels like. Yeah. They're just keeping us all on the hook. But I guess that's 
that's better than it being decided three yes, weeks it's, ago it's still and we still it, have something to tune yes, in for, it, right? At least from the outside looking at it, we're not the ones being... Well, we kind of are, but it's more so Brad and David <laughs> not knowing what the hell is going to go on with this points battle. So it's fun, at least for us to watch and know that there's still a chance. There's still there's still a hope. There's still there's still hope, and, and there's no playoff system. Yeah, and, this, and we're Shots still having fired. a close points battle. So shots fired. Uh, Friday night, the twenty five lapper at Port Royal, the first night of the Nittany Showdown, belonged to Tony Stewart Racing's fourteen car of Kerry Madsen. Uh, Carrie Third got win the win. Season. Yeah. Uh, which tied with Donnie right now. Well, that's stirring some stuff up. I, I was just saying that they both have three wins. Oh, yeah. That's all, that's all you're saying, huh? <laughs> just saying. Yeah, that's all you're saying. Lance Deweese finished in second with Anthony Macri rounding out the podium. Not a bad night for the posse guys, but I still can't help but notice that's not a win. Uh, Donnie Schatz finished in fourth, Brent Marks fifth, David Gravel sixth, Lucas Wolf seventh, Sheldon Ottenshield eighth, Freddie Raymer ninth, and Danny Dietrich rounded out the top ten. As we mentioned, Brad Sweet finished in 14th on night one. Uh, your lab leaders, there was only one. Kerry Madsen led all 25 laps. Uh, but that's the way I just said that, that very much minimizes how good that race actually was. It, it wasn't was- great for the lead. But second on back was one hell of a show. Oh, my God. The guys were just throwing everything they could at each other. At one point, I think for third, there were four wide coming out of turn four yeah. onto the front stretch. And I think Johnny, and I don't remember the, the Port Royal Speedway local announcer's name, so please forgive me on that. They were watching the battle uh, further up into the field and happened to miss the fact they were four wide. And they were like, three wide going into turn one, which normally... Would still be incredible, but the fact that they were four wide was insane. I it that race was fantastic. I would urge you to go do one of two things: either go watch our highlights on YouTube, or sign up. This is what I actually urge you to do: sign up for Dirt Vision. If you don't already have an account, you can go into the vault and watch that race in the vault. Uh, that's what I would do: go watch that race in its entirety, all twenty-five laps, um, because it was a fun one. Yeah, especially right at the end, we I forgot exactly what the distance was, but it was one of our closest finish. I think the closest finish yes. of the year between Kerry and uh, Lance Luis. Yeah, I th- that four wide battle was so good that I actually forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Lance finished second by what half a car length? If the, it had, I think it was like point zero eight seconds or something like that. We might have it right in front of us. and Yeah, I just need to scroll up and see, I think. That's all I have to do. 0.081 yeah, seconds. So eight one hundredths of a second. That's all that was. Excuse me. Uh, fantastic finish. One more lap, I think the 69K would have got that. Oh, yeah. He was, he was on the move. Yeah. He was absolutely flying. Uh, your KSC hard charger, speaking of people who were flying, was Brent Marks. Uh, gained 15 spots to go from 20th to finish 5th and score himself a top 5. That's not a bad night. No, Especially for Brent. Cool to see him have good run there, especially what happened. I think as the next night wasn't that great for him. Yeah, no. No, it wasn't. But uh, the next night was also a pretty solid race. Um, again, from pretty much second on back. But um, Spencer yeah. Baston. What, what a, I guess oh, it almost feels bad to say, this, but what a surprise win. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's fair to say. He's Even though he's has wins prior, he won earlier this year, but... Um, Still in the infancy of his tenure in the CJB number five. Yeah. And 
pretty much right on the heels of a him stepping into the car, but b the announcement that he's going to be uh, full time with the World of Outlaws next year, and that team is returning, goes out and dominates the Nittany Showdown at Port Royal. Yeah, it's pretty cool to see. Obviously, that him he he's had some ups and downs. Obviously, has some good. Uh, like you said, he got that win earlier in the year, but had some ups and downs after that. CJB's had some ups and downs, and like even when they announced that they were going to go full time, there was almost a. Uh, I think maybe maybe I'm not the only. Maybe I was, but uh, how how is this going to work out? Just yeah. knowing, like Spencer's seems like he gets a ride, but then it doesn't really last long. Sometimes yeah. CJB gets a driver, but doesn't really last long. So how is this going to mesh with uh, these two going to mesh? And so far, it seems pretty damn good. Saturday night, I think, was a, a message sender. Yeah, uh, for sure. We're not just going to be here to run around and make up part of the field. We are here to compete and win races. We know we can do it. Go watch us do it. And then they went and did it. Yeah, it's going to be a pretty strong rookie contender next year. Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, Spencer Basin in the CJB number 5. Picks up the $15,000 check for the win in Saturday's 30-lap showdown. David Gravel, as we mentioned, finished in second. Donnie Schatz in third. Kerry Madsen in fourth. Jacob Allen in fifth. Donnie and Kerry had themselves a battle. Yeah, that was fun to watch. That was very enjoyable to watch. Uh, Lance DeWeese finished in sixth. Logan Schuhart in seventh. Brent Marks in eighth. Logan Wagner ninth. And Sheldon Hoddenshield in tenth. As we mentioned before, your championship leader, Brad Sweet, finished in 12th on Saturday night. Uh, once again, it was a really good race, even though, as I say, your lap leaders, there was only one. Spencer Basin led all 30 of them. Uh, and your hard charger award went to Donnie Shots, who gained nine spots to go from 12th to 3rd. The points, Brad Sweet, 9,910. David Gravel, 92 points back with five races remaining on our 80 race schedule coming right down to the wire it's like once you get under that 100 point mark it's like all right game on like, yep there there's a chance now yep i agree uh, i think this is going to be has the potential to be a lot of fun um the rest of the way which is great because since you and i have worked here we've never not had a championship battle come down to the wire yeah my first year here was the closest championship battle we've ever had in history for the sprint cars Oh man, what a, what a finish that was! That was to the <laughs> to the last lap. Yes, like you said again, no chase involved. Yup, just all natural, baby, for eighty something races. All we got left: Lakeside Speedway next week, October twenty second; Lawton Speedway, October 29th, Devil's Bowl Speedway, October thirtieth, and then it's time. For the NGK and TK World Finals at the dirt track at Charlotte Motor Speedway, November's fourth, fifth, and sixth. November's. That's November's. what I said. Yes, November's fourth, November's. fifth, and sixth. Um, all the roads are leading to Charlotte, and it ends. All they, all, every single one of them. Yep. So if you're on a road in November, you're somehow going to end up in Charlotte. So just, especially if it's dirt. Yes, exactly. That's where it goes. Yep. So uh, just. Uh, Get some tickets because you're going to be there anyway. Yeah. Go to worldofoutlaws.com. Get yourself some tickets for Lakeside, Lawton, Devil's Bull Speedway. If you're in the area of any of those racetracks, go to charlottemurderspeedway.com to get yourself tickets to the NGK NTK World Finals uh, if tickets are even available because uh, I know that race usually sells out and it's probably getting close. Yep. I, we had a meeting the other day. I know there's uh, they've been selling pretty well, so I would get on that when you get the chance. Yes. Definitely go and do that. And if not, 
I mean, I, I'm going to say this part like you probably already haven't done it, but I know you probably have because you people are good like that and you listen to us. Go to DirtVision.com and get yourself your Fast Pass. Make sure you can watch the rest of the season. Make sure you're taken care of for next season. I would urge you to go get the annual pass, then you'll be taken care of for the Knoxville Nationals next year as well. And I believe uh, the Australia races are starting again pretty soon, aren't they? Yes, they are. I don't remember the exact... Actually, it might be the 22nd. It might be. Let me uh, let me double check on that, Nick. I know it's coming soon. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I think I saw Perth is first up. Then we also have uh, the big... Uh, um, I think a Midget Nationals race at Millbridge coming up right before World Short Track Championship. I think it's like October 25th and 6th Millbridge or something like that. Millbridge has a lot of action. A lot, lot of good racing coming up. Uh, Perth opens on Saturday, October 23rd. Uh, that one's a fun one because they do – Perth Motorplex It has a drag strip right behind the grandstands of the oval track. And the first half of the show – is drag racing, and then they basically turn the cameras around on the other side, and then we go oval racing, uh, and it's a lot of fun. Um, so I would recommend tuning in for that one, or if you don't feel like waking up that early, can't really blame you, uh, you can catch it in the Fast Pass exclusive section of Dirt Vision and uh, catch it all that way. That's a fun week. We've got Millbridge racing, or well, we've got the Outlaws racing on Friday, October 22nd at Lakeside. Perth debuts the next morning. Millbridge is in action that Saturday as well, the 23rd. Jacksonville Speedway, uh, I believe, has a midget race on Saturday, October 23rd as well. Then we've got three nights lined up at Millbridge, October 25th, 26th, and 27th. Uh, World Short Track Championship, October 28th and 29th at Charlotte. And then, uh, and the 30th. (laughs) Then we're back at Millbridge again. We've got we're, there's there's a lot going on. Millbridge has a lot of a couple fun events lined up between uh, the as you said midgets and micro sprints, and um, micro has put on a heck of a show there as do midgets. So I would recommend tuning in and both bring out some pretty big names. Too. Yes, yes. Your, your Kyle Larsons, your Chase Briscoes, your Chase Elliotts, your Christopher Bells, and all the all the other guys that you know in those series too. Yes, absolutely. Uh, don't sleep on any of the other racing action that we have on Dirt Vision because uh, it makes your Fast Pass worth its money because there's a lot of good racing action, especially the the Millbridge stuff. The Perth stuff is great. Um, 410 Sprint Cars at Perth are a fun show. So there's plenty of stuff to keep you tuned in, uh, especially as the, the winter goes on and the World of Outlaws season comes to a close because that's right around the corner. Yep, but we're going to keep on rolling. Like we said, there's no such thing as an offseason anymore. No, sir. Uh, But that'll do it for us this week. And uh, we'll be back with you next week. We will. We will. Another show. Another Another week, another show. Another week. That's how we roll. More stuff. We don't have any no racing this weekend, but we'll still have stuff to talk about. Yeah. I'm not going to say, let's recap last week's racing, because there wasn't any. Yeah. We can make up a race. It's kind of depressing. And we can say, hey, this we can do a what-if race. Ooh. Let's think on that. Yeah. Maybe next week. Anyway, uh, it is time to end. Uh, We will catch you all later. Yeah. Bye-bye. Hashtag open red.